Don't call it a comeback, and definitely don't call it an experiment. Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings comes out this weekend, and we're going to talk about it today on the Geek Watch Podcast. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 122 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. What's going on, Brian? Well, we've got a full plate, so yeah. let's get started. We want to talk about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which I saw yesterday. In the theater. Well, that's the only place you can see right, it. Right, yes. Was this your first theater experience in... A while? I did happen to see Black Widow in the theater. Ah, okay. So that mm-hmm. was... Sort of your comeback. That was the, the comeback. Mm-hmm. And so those are the only two films, I think, since the pandemic that I've seen in a theater. Mm-hmm. And I went in the afternoon after work. So there were a few people in the theater, but it wasn't crowded. I'm not sure really how much of the crowds are coming back. Obviously, we're going to be looking at how well this film does since it's... I'm not going to use the term experiment. <laughs> Better not. But it is a new release schedule because Shang-Chi is supposed to be 45 days theater only and then it's going to go to streaming. Okay. So it's a month and a half which usually isn't the way films are released but then you know normality at this point is a memory more than anything else. So it is one of those films that is being used to pretty much determine well how do we release films now? How do we need to do this post-COVID? I don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about this and I definitely don't want to spend a whole lot of time with spoilers because really this is not the type of film that you want spoiled at all. Okay. And this is probably going to be the first film in a long time that I'm going back to see again. Okay. Yeah. Especially since there's a three version of it and I'm curious because there's a lot of action in this film. Okay, so you saw it in 2D. I okay. did see it in 2D because I wanted to get an early showing and the 3D versions weren't going to be out until like later on in the yeah. evening and mm-hmm. so I wanted to go ahead and see the film and I want to give you some general impressions about it. I don't want to go too much into the plot. I don't want to talk spoilers obviously, especially the fact that we're right at the beginning of the opening weekend. I'm not sure when this podcast will be out, but I would say even even by the end of the weekend, I still wouldn't want to spoil a whole lot for anybody. But I want to make some general statements about the film and why I think people definitely should go see this film and things about it that really, really impress me. Now, I'm a big cinema fan, as you can imagine. And there is a lot of stuff. If you like Chinese films, Japanese films, if you like anime If you've ever watched an anime and go, man, I wonder what that would look like in live action. (laughs) They answer the call brilliantly. But not like almost any other time anime (laughs) has become, you know, it's starting to get better. I saw the pictures of John Cho as Spike from Cowboy Bebop, and that looks pretty good. But for every one of those, we get like 10 Dragon Ball evolutions. (laughs) Well, you know, one thing I will definitely say is that after you see this film... People were saying, well, you know, Dragon Ball couldn't be done live action. You're going to have to shut up with that. That was just, that was the movie's fault. Because there's a lot of stuff in this film that you look at and you're like, I can't believe that was even done. It looks wonderful. And there are a lot of moments where you're like, this is just a live action anime and it's awesome. Okay. And I haven't heard a lot of people talk about this, but there are a few things about the film 
And these aren't going to be spoilers because obviously if you've seen the trailer, you know this stuff already. But there were some things about the film that really impressed me. Specifically, the relationship between Shang-Chi and Aquafina's character, Katie. You see that they're friends in the film and they become sidekicks. This is very much like a buddy film. And what really impressed me about this movie is that usually when you have a quote-unquote male-female buddy film, it devolves into a romance. Mm -hmm. Because obviously guys and girls can't be friends. Terry met Sally, yeah. Yeah, and so there's going to be that sexual tension. Mm -hmm. None of that's in this film. Awesome. There's a moment at the beginning where a character who's related to Katie asks Sean, when are you two going to get married? And he says, well, we're just friends. So they go ahead and answer that right off at the bat and then just push it off to the side. Now, for some moments, I'm wondering, are we going to get that moment where they realize they were meant for each other? And no. But here's the thing that really impressed me about this relationship. It's a really, really well-played, strong friendship. Okay. And the chemistry between those two characters is incredible. You buy the fact that they are best friends, uh-huh. but they don't have to devolve into this will-they-won't-they they situation. It never for a moment dips into that horrible trope. And it's done so masterfully. I don't think I've ever seen it played this well in a movie because very often what will happen is they'll devolve into this romance. And if they don't do that or somebody's consciously trying to keep that from happening, then what they tend to do is they put a bit of a divide between these two characters. They're like, we don't want them to be too caring about each other because we don't want to go down that road. And yet this movie they're able to have this extremely close friendship and a chemistry between these two characters that is amazing that doesn't have to rely on the old will-they-or-won't-they trope. And it's one of those things that I don't know if anyone's really going to be thinking about too much in this film, and I haven't really seen any reviewers talk about this, but to me that was fascinating, and it was so deftly played. It was one of my favorite things about this film. Okay, so we got like our lethal weapon. Yeah. Okay. And I also have to say about Aquafina. obviously she's very funny in the film, but sometimes in movies when you have some comedy in it, sometimes the comedy will break the tension and ruin a scene or hinder a scene to some degree because the joke is there just for the sake of being funny and it doesn't really play well in the scene. Never does Aquafina's performance, any of her humor, interfere with the flow of the story, ever. It's nearly perfect. And I only say nearly perfect because, can I say perfect? Well, I'm tempted to say perfect. (laughs) We'll say that. It was great. I mean, Mm -hmm. every actor was great, and everybody had their time to shine, and there's all kinds of things going on in the story. And I've seen a couple of internet reviewers say about the movie, well, it's got all these different things going on. It's not sure what it wants to be. And I completely disagree with that. Okay. And I disagree with it because, yes, I can understand if you've got a bunch of threads that don't really relate to each other. Yeah, that's a movie that doesn't know the story it's trying to tell. Hellboy 19. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But this film knows exactly the story it's trying to tell. And all these different layers are all basically telling this story. It's just that not everybody in the story is traveling the same path, obviously. Everybody's traveling their own path. Everybody has their own motivations for carrying the story along. And we get to see all of that. But it all weaves together in such a wonderful way to tell this very coherent story. It's a very textured movie. There's a lot of stuff going on, but it all serves the story. 
And that's another reason why I feel like the writing in this film, the script, the screenplay is so fantastic because none of this is an accident. This story is so well-crafted. And this is how far I'm going to go with this. I'll tell you what, I was wondering if I was going to say this. I'm going to say it. This movie is this year's Black Panther. Okay. For a lot of reasons. And you know how much I love Black Panther. And I say this too. Like we had in Black Panther, we have an antagonist that you understand why they're doing what they're doing. Okay, yeah. And a very well drawn out antagonist. You have this character and you realize he's doing something that he shouldn't be doing. But you understand why. Okay. Again, I don't want to go into a whole lot of spoilers because this is definitely not a film you want spoiled. I think maybe I should end this by saying that I have not seen a film this well-developed with this much texture, with this much stuff going on. The fight scenes are incredible that are the actors doing it. Mm -hmm. A lot of how the fight scenes are choreographed, they're almost to the level of a Jackie Chan film. (laughs) Okay. I mean, obviously, Jackie Chan puts himself in a lot more risk very many times, and, of course, has paid for it. Yeah. (laughs) He's gotten himself really hurt. But you have actors that are actually doing the fight choreography. I mean, look, I, I have goosebumps. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Just thinking yep. about this film, and this may be my favorite film of the year. I mean, obviously, it doesn't seem to be too fair to say that because we're not seeing all the films that we normally would see because we're still in the tail end of COVID. I'm hoping we're in the tail end of COVID and we're not going to wind up back in the butthole of COVID. <laughs> I think I'm going to put it in my top three of Marvel films. Excellent. Wow. Yeah. I've enjoyed a lot of them, but there's not a lot of them I've gone back to the theater to see again. Mm-hmm. Black Panther was one of them, and I think this one's going to be one of them as well. I mean, there's not really much more I can say about it without going through plot and story details, which I definitely don't want to do. But let's just end it by saying, yes, this is a film to see and to see again. I'm curious of how seeing it in 3D is going to change the way that I view the film. So when you were seeing it in 2D, could you tell where the 3D would majorly affect it? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. And yep. I can't say any more than that. Okay. But obviously the fight scenes. Mm-hmm. And eventually I do want to talk about this film again. Hopefully if you get a chance to see it. Mm-hmm. And talk about some of the things specifically in the film. So, yeah, go see it. <laughs> go see it this weekend. And then go see it again next weekend. So, <laughs> going from the really good to the really bad in a good way? Maybe? <laughs> Fast new realities. Follow me and ponder the question. What the if? (laughs) Where do we start with this Uh, week? Well, even with last week's being so sad and upsetting, there was still a bit of a hopeful, uplifting ending and Spoiler alert, guys, this is absolutely devastating. There is no redemption at the end of this what if. It is sad, it gets sadder, and it never stops (laughs) with the sad. I'm sure somebody somewhere, if they knew what this next episode was and heard us talking about how depressing episode three was, I'm sure they were laughing their butts off at us. (laughs) You ain't seen nothing yet. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Episode four is like, hold my beer. Although I did enjoy finally seeing the Watcher break his own fourth wall. 
finally participating with his subjects of view, I guess. I will say this, and again, this is going to be spoilers, so if anyone hasn't seen this yet, either stick with us and go, what they've been saying, I don't know if I want to watch this and I would completely understand, Mm -hmm. or put this on pause and go watch this and I'm sorry, and then come back. (laughs) But uh, the name of the episode was, what if Doctor Strange, uh, instead of losing his hands, he lost his heart? Mm-hmm. Oh boy. And you know, you're hoping that you hear that it was his aortic valve muscle that got hurt in the car accident and they had to give him a, an artificial heart or a heart transplant. That is not what happened. <laughs> no, that is definitely not what happened. But what did happen, first of all, let's talk about the cast because they pretty much brought everybody, well, yeah, they did. They brought everybody back. Yeah. Including Christine. Rachel McAdams. Yeah. So let's just talk about mm-hmm. this a little bit. Regina George, for those of you who are <laughs> Mean Girls fans. <laughs> This was such a sad, depressing story. It begins at the beginning with, well, I guess the one difference is, of course, in the movie, Rachel McAdams' character, Dr. Christine Palmer, is a colleague of Dr. Strange's in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And she has the strange rule, which is don't date this guy. Mm -hmm. Apparently, for whatever reason, because of the fact that perhaps Stephen Strange is a little nicer, perhaps he's not necessarily as driven. Mm Mm-hmm. As the Doctor Strange in... That we know. Uh, that we know. Yeah. That she finds him tolerable. Well, tolerable enough. Tolerable enough mm-hmm. to get in the car with him on that fateful ride because of the promises of some creme brulee. And it doesn't go well. No. Because she winds up dying in the car crash. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we get pretty much how the story develops in the movie, except for what drives Doctor Strange into learning the mystic arts is this great loss that he feels because of losing Christine. And he defeats Dormammu, Mm -hmm. and he finds himself in the Sanctum Sanctorum with the Time Stone, with the Eye of Agamotto, and he decides he's going to go back and rewrite history. Which means that he may have played Sherlock in the BBC, but he obviously didn't watch any Doctor Who while he was there. No, huh? Paradox. (laughs) Yes, we get basically what's known as a bootstrap paradox, which is he loses Christine, so he becomes the master of the mystic arts, which gives him the power to go back and save Christine, which if he does means he would never become the master of the mystic arts, and therefore he wouldn't have the power. To go back in time to save Christine. So you have this paradox. Yeah, it's like Sarah Connor trying to prevent the war. It's like, if you prevent the war, then your husband won't come back in time so you can have the baby. It's that endless loop of it's not going to happen. You know, you didn't go back in time to kill your grandfather because you didn't go back in time to kill your grandfather. Right. And so you have the situation where he tries desperately. And no matter what he changes, something always happens that winds up killing Christine, even to the point where he leaves her standing on the side of the road and doesn't pick her up. And her building catches on fire and she dies (laughs) in a fire. Mm -hmm. We got a very mini butterfly effect. You take that whole movie and put it into this five minute episode and then you get that whole movie. Yeah. And he gets to a point where he becomes so distraught that he's like, obviously the universe does not want us together. If that's going to be the case, I'd rather she lives and I die. So they swap places where she's driving the car and he's in the passenger seat and he knows they're about ready to get hit. And he's so sure he's going to die, but at least she'll live. And even the universe won't allow him that. She still dies. Yeah. This is heart-wrenching. And this is not even like the entirety of the first half of the show. Right. (laughs) You've basically just beaten strange up over and over and and over and over again only to find out that we get the more traditional paradox of the split you know you make one decision and then you split off 
mm-hmm. into two realities. Yeah. So you have Strange who realizes that the universe is conspiring against him and Christine. The Ancient One shows up and explains this is a point in time that's absolute. It can't be changed. And at that point, he's like, I just need more power. And that's when he goes down that slippery slope that, mm-hmm. that you know, if he doesn't turn back, this is going to be terrible. And you see the fall of Doctor Strange. Yeah. Where he's absorbing these creatures for more power. He's consuming them like a vampire. He's studying. He has frozen himself in time for centuries to build up his power. Even though that if he does manage to break this fixed point, he risks destroying everything, but he doesn't care. And then we get to the point where we see Doctor Strange if he had decided not to. And you're like, well, what's this about? And you realize at this point when a psychic impression of the Ancient One comes back to explain to Strange that she used the magic of the Dark Dimension to split his timeline so that there were two different versions of Strange. So that there was a a version of Strange that didn't go down the dark road. So now we have two Stranges and they're going to fight. Yeah. And you're sitting there wondering, obviously the evil Strange can't win because it's going to destroy everything. Uh... But he's so (laughs) much more powerful. So how is... Our Doctor Strange, the one we're used to seeing, (laughs) how is he going to beat this evil version of Doctor Strange? And now let's get to the spoiler. The answer is he He doesn't. doesn't. (laughs) He fights valiantly and well, but eventually he gets absorbed by the other Strange because he needs this Strange's power. Because the timeline was split, and so he didn't split have... Split his soul. and yep. Split his soul, so he had to absorb the other strange. And because he's absorbed all these creatures, he's basically turned into this mini Cthulhu with <laughs> wings and tentacles <laughs> and exercises his power to bring Christine back to life to a point where she is horrified of what he's become. And as the universe is literally collapsing around him, and he's trying to stop it, but he can't. And that moment at the end where he beseeches the watch actually addresses the Watcher Mm -hmm. directly. And can look into his eyes and see him. And, you know, we've seen the Watcher up in the sky and reflected against buildings, you know, in the past couple episodes, but now actually looking right into his eye and he says, I know you. You know, you're a god, you can stop this. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I'm not a god and neither are you. Everyone told you what was going to happen. But of course, his hubris, he just wouldn't allow himself to believe that. And he's able to basically carve himself a small gem for him to be in and there's nothing outside of it except for the void everything else in the universe is destroyed including christine who fades away in his hand saying "Stephen, what did you do mm-hmm. and he finds himself alone the only thing in the entire universe that exists he is in this timeless void of nothingness Hell. yes mm-hmm. and the show ends hearing him just moaning and i'm yeah, so sorry and then the sorry. credits come up and you're like wait what i that's like when we say absolutely devastating it's it is it is absolutely devastating with no uplifting welcome back captain <laughs> we don't get that no it's everything the end of everything this entire timeline this universe has been utterly destroyed There are a couple things that I do want to talk about this episode. One of them was when we got to the evil Doctor Strange, I really love the fact that they put him in the old traditional Steve Ditko costume with the collar. The big high collar. The high collar Mm -hmm. and the logo on the front. Mm -hmm. He was very much straight out of the comics, although not nearly as evil, obviously. 
Although the old Steve Ditko, Doctor Strange, was mysterious, and you weren't always 100% sure what his motivations were. Well, I think this year, well, yeah, this year, Marvel has played so much fan service to classic costumes. Mm -hmm. I mean, we got the Halloween costumes in WandaVision. We got classic Loki in Loki, and then we get this in, in What If. I think Marvel is really playing up the fan service. And like we said, very often What If would go into dark territory as a comic book. Not everything was all sparkly and shiny and nice. Mm -hmm. A lot of these comics tended to take a very dark turn. Mm. And this was about as dark as it gets. Well, I'm scared to say that now because (laughs) I have this feeling... There may be an episode coming where we're going to be even Even sadder and just sobbing the whole time. And if Tony Stark and Eric Killmonger like get blown up in the desert or something, I'll just give up. I'll sob. I'll cry. (laughs) Well, I would think that after depressing and then horribly depressing last two episodes that they're going to have to lighten things up a little bit the next one. One would hope. You would hope. I would definitely hope. But here's the other thing. We may not have seen the last of this Doctor Strange. Hmm. Okay. And I say this... Multiverse of Madness? Well, I will say this. If you recall from the trailer, there's a scene where Doctor Strange, who looks like that evil Doctor Strange, is talking to Captain Carter. Something might be happening where those two characters wind up meeting up for some reason. I've heard some rumors that there's going to be a multiverse version of the Avengers that'll be created from characters out of this show. That one of the episodes are going to have different characters from the previous episodes joined together in some cosmic conflict of some type that stretches over the entire multiverse. So ADHD moment. Back in the 90s, it was that uh, there was Marvel versus DC? Well, there was one version of it, yeah. It was Justice League versus the Avengers. The one I was thinking, X-Men, that all the fights were done by fan vote. Oh, yeah, that was another series. Okay, that's the one I was thinking of. Basically, what they did, they had these fights, and then what they did was, in a joint venture, created what was called Amalgam Comics. Mm-hmm. where you had characters, you basically put them together, created a single character out of them. Oh, interesting. Okay. I'm wanting to say it was, one of them might have been Wolverine and Batman, but uh-huh. you basically melded them together. Okay. What I was thinking was they voted and had like Tim Drake fighting Jubilee. Right. And if they did this now with the fan vote, who would be versus who? Would we get Tony Stark versus Ben Affleck's Batman? What would we get today? What would fans want? That would be certainly interesting. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I don't know how likely that would be any time in the near future. But the fact that What If Now is giving Marvel the chance to really explore some really interesting stories, some depressing ones as well. <laughs> But knowing that all of them, in a way, are canon because of what happened in Loki. Mm-hmm. The sacred timeline is broken. Yeah, and boy, apparently the trauma hurt. <laughs> Not only is it broken, but it's weeping like a little girl, like with the rest of us. So what happens next week? I'm almost scared to find out. <laughs> and so we discussed what if, and there leaves one thing left to talk about, is The Walking Dead. Which I recall, we were talking before, and you said that you've seen the first episode, but you're not caught up. No, I haven't seen the second one yet. Okay, well, I'm more than caught up. Ooh. I've seen the first three episodes at this point. Oh, you cheater. I did cheat. (laughs) Apparently, if you have the AMC Plus, Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Which, if you don't know what that is, this is mega AMC. There is an AMC streaming service. And then there's AMC Plus. That's all of AMC. It's Sundance. It's IFC. Shudder. It's Shudder. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's BBC America. Oh, is it? Okay. All of this stuff hmm. in one package. Well, that does make sense because I remember humans being on mm-hmm. AMC. And so it's all of this stuff together. And it, one thing I've also noticed about AMC Plus, because I got on AMC Plus to watch The Walking Dead, specifically because I didn't want to stay up all night on a Sunday to watch it yeah. when I could watch it on streaming early and not have to deal with commercials. Yeah. So call me selfish. <laughs> so I was looking for AMC, discovered this AMC Plus. It's like, oh, it's got Shutter on it. It's got all that stuff. And then I saw what the price was at the time, and it's cheaper than AMC because they're running a special. Ah. It's like, I want to say it's like $4 a month. Mm-hmm. It's like a seven-day trial and then like four ninety nine a month maybe. I'm like, okay, yeah, you got me. Definitely. So now you know, did Maggie die? Spoiler alert. Turn it off if you're not, if you don't know. <laughs> well, let me. She couldn't have. He could not have died. Well, let me tell you this. First of all, with AMC Plus, they run their stuff a week early. Now, unlike the regular AMC, where what they did last season was they would show the Sunday episode like on Saturday. You could see it on Saturday. What they've done instead is on Sunday, you get to see next week's episode, which means that when I got AMC Plus last week, episode two was already up and episode three was available. And so I got to basically binge it. (laughs) So the problem with that, unfortunately, is some of this stuff may start to run together a little bit. I think I can remember, because I don't want to talk about episode three yet. Oh, Um, okay. No, I understand. Episode three hasn't aired on AMC yet. Yeah, so major spoilers. So that would be like major, major, major. (laughs) Major spoilers. Major spoilers. Don't even listen to us. Turn us off. Turn us off. Mm. Do Uh we want to talk about episode three? What do you think? To me, it doesn't hurt. Spoilers never bother me. I don't mind. I can still enjoy a show no matter what. I still love Psycho. I know exactly what's going to happen. Okay, well, Uh, let me at least, what I'll do is we'll talk about episode two. And obviously spoilers for episode two, but I won't mention anything about episode three without saying, okay, now we're going into episode three. So if you've seen two or you don't care, that's fine. You can stick around. But, you know, then you get to episode three. If you don't have AMC Plus and you haven't seen episode three, I'll indicate when we're talking about that. And you can veer off from that point on and put it on pause and then wait to see or whatever. So... Yeah, episode two continues what episode one's been doing where they're doing the split stories. Mm -hmm. In episode two, we're going between Maggie's party and Eugene's party. First of all, we have Eugene, and Eugene is noticing that his friends are disappearing one by one, and nobody's telling him what's going on, and he's nervous, and he's scared, as he's want to be. (laughs) And he's by himself, and of course, there have been those moments where he felt like maybe we need to tell them about our settlement. And it was like, don't do it. Don't do mm-hmm. it. And now he finds himself in this situation where everybody else is gone. For all he knows, they may be dead. And he's in that room by himself. And he does what has to be the most brilliant thing he could have done. Because he is scared. And he is nervous. So what does he do? He buries the lead with as much embarrassing truth that he can. He talks about everything else. It's like, I'm here to see Stephanie, and I lied to my friends so they would come with me, which is the truth, because he (laughs) did that in the beginning (laughs) with Abraham and Rosita. Yes. I told Stephanie that I was part of this huge, massive community because I didn't think she'd like me in any other way, and and I'm a virgin, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that although I've watched people doing it. (laughs) 
and it's embarrassing for me i mean he's breaking down admitting all this stuff about himself which is obviously true we know it's true because we've seen we've watched his, his exactly. character arc we watched his and, progress and he basically just breaks down admitting all of this horrible stuff about himself but doesn't say the one thing he can't really say mm-hmm. he basically does a sacrifice play and it's brilliant and <laughs> it works and what you find out at the end is that they've all been approved to join the commonwealth okay so all right so then miko can find her sister and yeah and we do finally see stephanie because she comes to see eugene so we get this wonderful moment. And then we get, of course, the party in the tunnels. Mm-hmm. What's really terrible about this is just like I assumed last week, if Maggie ever showed up again, it would be bad for Negan. Mm-hmm. Well, she showed up again. Yeah, she had to. I mean, there was no way. Those, it's too good. It's too good a rivalry for that to be done so quick. Yeah. We need that to carry us through the end of the season. Yeah. And so we get that scene where you hear the SOS tap at the bottom of the train. Apparently she'd been crawling under the train. They open up the hatch on the floor and they let her in and she goes after Negan. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what is Negan going to say? Can't really say anything. Yes, I was going to let you die because you were going to kill me. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet, but I imagine that's what it is. That's exactly it. Really? (laughs) Good. What did you expect? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Father Zekel is like, you're not even going to deny it? He goes, why should I deny it? Mm-hmm. Look, she has been telling me she's going to kill me this whole time. There's a world of difference between killing somebody and just not helping them. Mm-hmm. Here's the real horrible part about this, because not even two minutes later, you hear a knocking at the door. And you remember the old man and the kid that ran off? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, the kid's right there. Uh, he's on the other side of the door. And so he's like, open the door, let me in. And they asked, did you close those other doors behind you? Mm-hmm. And he didn't. Mm. And the zombies are coming. Mm-hmm. And Maggie's like, I'm sorry, we can't. Because there's more of them coming in than we'd be able to take care of. Mm-hmm. And so they sit there and they watch this guy get torn to pieces. Yep. And I mean, the rest really can't say anything because they stood by as Negan fought off the big neck guy with the crowbar. You didn't do anything to help me. I didn't do anything to help her. Yeah. So you have that moment. But while they're trying to get through this next door, Maggie tells a story of something that she and little Herschel had to deal with on the road as they were coming back to Alexandria. And I don't want to go into a whole lot of details because this is a story that you definitely need to hear her tell. But it's God awful because it's not about zombies. It's about a worse monster in this world, and it's people. Mm-hmm. It's horrible to watch her tell it, basically to illustrate something died in me when this happened, and I don't miss it. Man, and she lived through the governor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it must this, have been pretty bad. It was really, really mm-hmm. bad. This was degradation and just pure horror of how the human mind can be twisted under certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. But they do finally open the door, but there's zombies on the other side. But fortunately, Daryl has caught up with them, and they have this wonderful moment where they're able to kill all these zombies. Train to Busan. You know, yeah. That's what we got here. Yeah. And yeah. so... And Daryl comes back and they all manage to work together to kill all of the zombies and to get out of the train and get back up topside, which 
It's like, oh, we finally get our happy ending, but no, no we don't. Of course we don't. <laughs> because they find themselves on the road, and you see people hanging upside down from ropes just lining the streets. That's a very Randall Flag bit there. They did find uh, C. Thomas Howe, the, the guy who's playing the old man who was part of the kingdom. They find him hurt, but they were able to find him and bring him back up. But unfortunately, you realize, Jesus Christ, how many people here are wearing red shirts? Because he dies. Yeah. <laughs> Arrow to the eye he winds up dying some other people wind up getting hurt somebody gets his hand chopped off okay the error to the eye is getting a little played out walking dead uh you do that at least once every season yeah well, not that it's not awesome but give us something that one was followed by somebody getting his hand cut off basically it was an ambush and then you see i would assume they're the reapers i guess is what they're called mm-hmm. you see them coming up the street for the first time uh-huh. and that's how they end the, the episode okay so we're going to start with episode three. So if you haven't seen that yet, turn cut, it off. <laughs> cut it off like somebody's hand got cut off. And you're just, and episode three starts with this chaos as they basically wind up splitting up the party. Which, if you've ever played Call of Cthulhu, then you know how many Call of Cthulhu players does it take to change a light bulb? All of them? Because you never, never split, split the party. party. <laughs> okay. I I thought. <laughs> yeah, but it's exactly what happens in this case, is the party winds up getting split up, and it's chaos, and they're running in all directions. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure the reason they did that was because they wanted to go back to these small stories of two or three people again. For filming's sake, yeah. For filming's sake and COVID's sake, and so that's how they wound up doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, limits don't stifle creativity. They generate it. They do. Mm-hmm. And as you can imagine, they're going back between this story and Alexandria, so there's these two running narratives, but... For the sake of telling the story, I'll talk about them individually. You start to realize how many people in this party, and you're like, well, what was that guy's name? I can't remember what's, Mm -hmm. you know, and you realize, oh, that's why I don't remember his name, because he's wearing a red shirt. He's just fodder, you know. Yeah. So you realize going through this that people are dying off left and right. And there are a lot of deaths in this party. As Maggie, who's basically the central character, she runs into different people in the party and they wind up dying. It gets to a point fighting these Reapers who keep ambushing that her party is basically reduced down now to three people. Her and Negan and I'm trying to remember what the the young guy was who used to be the savior who carried the spear. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but it's just like the three of them and he gets injured and they wind up having to leave him in a church. And it's just Maggie and Negan. (laughs) They're the party now. Just Maggie and Negan. So you're sitting here going, wow, I wonder where this is going to go. Let's talk about the other story that's going on, which is Alexandria starving to death. While they're trying to build the walls, it's very difficult for them to get these huge metal sheets up. And everyone's weak. And the horses have been chased off, and so they don't have the horses anymore. (sighs) Everybody is saying to Carol, you know, you should help. And she goes, I am. I'm going out to find the horses. Some people go out with her. So you have this moment of, you know, they're trying to catch these horses, and it just doesn't seem to be working out too well. Because obviously they're, they're weak and tired, and the horses, the minute you pull the ropes out, they're like gone. They happen to run into three or four of them that have been slaughtered, dead next to the creek. Carol, at this point, she's about ready to give up. They decide, okay, we're going to go back to Alexandria and try again tomorrow. But then they run into another group of the horses, and they're able to actually pin them in a dairy farm. And nice. But they're having trouble getting the ropes. And the young deaf girl is like, put the, the lassos down. They do, and the horses allow them to walk up to them. It's like, look, they're scared. Horse whisper. Yeah, he said... <laughs> 
you know, they're scared, but they really want to go home. And so they're able to bring the horses home. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, save that off for just a moment. No. Because, <laughs> because here's the thing. They had four horses. So I was like, man, these guys are starving. You can tell this isn't the real world because they would kill and eat at least one of them. Mm-hmm. And then Carol takes one of the horses around into a barn, makes it lie down, and pulls out a knife. And she's petting this thing. Mm-hmm. And then she slits its throat. And catches the blood in a bowl because nothing can go to waste. This moment, you're just like your heart's breaking because, you know, this this thing wanted to come home. And this was the one she had petted, Mm -hmm. led home, and then killed it because she had to. Mm -hmm. And so people could eat horse meat and drink the blood and, Mm -hmm. you know, get their health back. And this is that moment where her heart's breaking, too, while she's doing this because she doesn't want to do this. Mm Mm-hmm. But they don't have a choice. And it's like you realize this is, oh, man, it was a rough scene to watch. It was a really rough scene to watch. It's like we've seen a lot of violence, Mm -hmm. obviously, over the course of this show. But, you know, like I said, this horse. Like when the dogs attacked them and they ended up eating the dogs. But they were mean dogs and they had to be put down. Right. Yes. But there's, like I said, this horse just followed her. She put her hand on its head and it laid down for her. And you could tell it tore her up, too. It was one of those moments that I would say was very much like the look at the flowers moment. Yep. Where it's like she mm-hmm. didn't want to have to do that, but she didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. She was or, stuck. Or burning the people with the flu back at the prison. Yeah. Yeah. It was tough. Carol does the tough stuff. She, she always does. has. Yeah. From the very beginning. Very much so. And that was, like I said, it was a difficult scene to watch, especially when you understood the context behind it. But now we've found ourselves in a situation where we have Negan and Maggie having to depend on each other. And there's like (laughs) nobody else you can depend on at this point. And you're just wondering, where is this going to go? Well, I'll find out Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be, I wonder how much of a death march is going to be to the very end. Because at the end of this, that's it for The Walking Dead. And they're definitely going out with a bang. Yep. So with that said, we come to the end of episode 122 of the Geek Watch podcast. Thank you for listening and tune in next week for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. For Mandy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher reminding all the Geek Watchers out there, we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the GeekWatch podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The GeekWatch podcast is a Hanging J production. <laughs>